Welcome to Season 2 of Voices from the Land, a special podcast series produced by the Legacy Hope Foundation. In this podcast series, we'll hear about Indigenous language revitalization projects and efforts to preserve and promote Indigenous languages across Turtle Island. Join us as we learn more about how Indigenous languages are helping Indigenous peoples connect, know, and remember the voices from the land. Hello and welcome to this podcast on Indigenous Languages. Voices from the Land is an Indigenous language podcast project produced by the Legacy of Hope Foundation. Its goal is to capture more perspectives and voices on Indigenous language reclamation. We are seeking to capture a range of perspectives to better reflect the many people engaged in Indigenous language revitalization. Our aim is that by listening to teachers, adult learners, and parents or guardians of children in language classes, we can gain more insight into what the challenges and barriers are, as well as the solutions and positive outcomes. In turn, we hope this will form a larger discussion on how to support Indigenous language revitalization. Thank you for joining us. In this episode, our guest is John Kershaw. John is a Cree language learner who also teaches high school Native studies, as well as working with an elder to further his language skills and cultural knowledge. Hello and welcome to this language podcast project. John, how are you doing today? Not bad. Maybe we can start by just telling us a little bit about yourself, your community, your family background, and your learning process of the Cree language. And do a little bit of an introduction in Cree, perhaps. Sure. Uh, my name is John Kershaw, Otsi Nida, Michigan, originally from Michigan, Pogonibigan, but right now I live in Kaminstik Otsiwak, Sandy Bay, Saskatchewan. I am Moniao, a white man living up in the north in a almost exclusively Woodland tree and Metsi community. Uh, I was back to England and Germany. Uh, a few years ago, I had the opportunity to live not far from where a lot of my ancestors lived in England, and that was really beneficial. I didn't really fully comprehend the importance of that until I started working more closely in Cree contexts and learning about ancestors and ancestry and and ceremony and sweats and and then I've become a lot more aware of my ancestors and a lot more in touch with my ancestry. So that's kind of where I'm at. I'm living in Sandy Bay now for two and a half years. I teach at the local school, which is a public school. Our community is part res, part municipality, and mostly Woodland Cree. Not a lot of people under the age of about 45 here speak Cree right now, but a lot of the elders and 50 plus still speak a lot of Cree, a lot of fluent speakers in those older generations in the 50 plus area. As I learn it myself, I try and introduce words and phrases to my students and try and get them to want to learn Cree and want to learn more about their heritage and their culture. Are you like on a reserve? Uh, I don't live on the reserve part. I live on the in the village part. But you teach on the reserve, right? Uh, no, our school is actually in the village. Well, it's in the village, it's not on the reserve. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So there is a reserve here, but as things worked out, the school is actually in the village. So it's okay. a, a provincial public school. Yeah, yeah. So it's a mix of uh, Indigenous and non-Indigenous students? Um, all the students are Indigenous, but it's a mix of status. Some are status, some are non-status, some claim Métis heritage. Oh, okay. Um, but right now, all but four of our students are Indigenous, and they're children of uh, teachers. And two have Mexican background, and two have uh, East Indian background. Wow. Quite an interesting group of students you have there Yeah. in that school. 
as an adult learner of an indigenous language, what are some barriers or obstacles you have faced while trying to learn the indigenous language? One of the big ones is lack of resources, particularly in the dialect. Like in Cree, there's lots of resources in Y dialect, but trying to find resources in TH dialect is, is a little bit trickier. Uh, so that's probably one of the bigger barriers. And the fact that there's still a lot of shame attached. So some people, until they get to know you and trust you, don't want to share how much they know or what they know. Well, interesting. Yeah. But um, I know I have a few people now that like just one of the caretakers here comes and talks to me in Cree all the time. And I learn a lot from him. And Yeah. Yeah. And I work with a couple of the elders at the school and I'm part of our school community council. So I work with elders that way as well. Is Cree taught in the school? Uh, up until grade six, Cree is taught in our school. We don't at this point have a middle years or a high school program in Cree. Yeah. We may or may not have one next year. Um, Why is that? Partly, at the moment, we only have one Cree teacher, and she's just so stretched because we're a pretty big school doing yeah. K to six. Yeah. So she just doesn't have time to do middle school and high school. Personally, I'd like to see us have a second teacher so we'd have someone who can do middle years and high school Yeah. and work with those kids. and. And also, it's a different teaching. Her teaching style is much is really well suited to, to the younger years, but yeah, so I guess it's a different teaching style for the older kids. Yeah, that would be considered a barrier. I guess lack of uh, lack of teachers to teach Cree. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and she's she's not from our community here. She's from Isle Lacrosse, which is uh, Michif, uh, Métis, more of a Métis community in the Y dialect. So yeah, one of the challenges she faced when she came here was was dialect switching. Right. And learning some of the particular words that are Sandy Bay words that maybe not general Cree words and also getting used to TH dialect from a Y dialect background. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's so many different dialects in the Cree language that I don't know if you could ever do something uh, across the board. You always have to have a teacher from, from that particular community who's familiar with that dialect that, you're, yeah. that the community is trying to learn. Yeah. From your perspective, what has worked well or has been a positive learning method or approach in your learning for you? For me, one of the things that I find working really well is finding videos of people speaking the language. I found some old videos that were done by NCI in Manitoba uh, called the Ketayak. So right. they're stories from the 90s of elders from different TH communities telling either about their life as a child or or stories like the Atsimoana and the Atona, Atokona, the more special stories. I've also been working with a group that's mixed dialect, and we're doing some transcription and some story writing. And they're much more advanced than I am, so I've, I spend a lot of time just listening. Well, what's motivated you to, uh, to learn an indigenous language? Uh, one, knowing how, how valuable they are and to get a different perspective on life, and, and knowing that how badly they were treated, how badly the people and the language were treated by the government and a lot of social services. And I'm wanting to kind of do some of my own kind of, I don't know, fixing it, but reconciliation and being part of that. And, yeah. and actually living it, not just writing stuff on Twitter and Facebook, but actually being up here. And Yeah. In your uh, language learning experience, what would you like to see change or improve I'd like to see a lot more funding for programs and for resources. Uh, I know my community could certainly use it where I'm living right now. Um, and a more openness, a more a greater sense that it's valuable. And because a lot of people here are still kind of on that stuck on the path of it's not, 
I'm not sure where I'm going with that. And well, I don't want to insult anyone. No, it's okay. It's all right. What would you say uh, is the most important thing to keep in mind? Like if a person just wants to learn an indigenous language and, uh, you know, a lot of people, they don't realize how difficult it is, the challenges there are in, in, in doing something like that. What is something you think the person should keep in mind when embarking on learning an indigenous language? Um, to recognize that any language you're learning has a different mindset, a different way of organizing thoughts, a different way of organizing ideas, a way to put words and sentences together, and not trying to do word-for-word -word translations. Right. Are there any other Indigenous language initiatives happening in your community that you can share with us? Mostly at the school, is I think that's where I'm seeing most of it right now, but that's my perspective. Um, we're going to be doing a pre-language festival in a couple of weeks where we're asking all the teachers in our school to put together like a one or two minutes presentation and we're going to put it together into a, a larger hold for everyone to watch. Yeah. Um, we're going to try and invite a couple of speakers in from other communities to tell us a little bit about language reclamation yeah. and bring some of the elders into to watch and to and try and help them to bridge that gap and encourage the kids to speak a little bit more. And, right. Do you have any recommendations for people who want to learn their indigenous language? The biggest thing for me is listening and finding as many opportunities to listen. And then as I'm going to find opportunities to speak and taking it slow and know you're going to make mistakes. Yeah. Okay. And you might not always find the resources you're looking for, but find someone to help teach you. Yeah. How challenging has it been for you? Um, it comes and goes like right now I've got a little bit more support with some things I've been doing, yeah. but there've been times I've just like, I'm going to look for books. Uh, it's not the best way because yeah. indigenous languages in Korean in particular are very oral. So yeah. learning from books isn't quite, and then my pronunciation gets messed up. Yeah, that's fine. That's good. All right. Well, uh, thank you for taking the time to do this, John. I uh, appreciate it very much. Your contribution to this project, you know, will certainly, you know, is, is valuable and uh, we will be putting together a report and uh, maybe we can provide you with a copy of your interview, your podcast. So I love uh, that. thank you very much on behalf of the Legacy Hope Foundation. We want to thank you for uh, for taking the time to do this with us. Thank you. Thank you. Voices from the Land is a podcast project produced by the Legacy of Hope Foundation. Music is provided by David Finkel. For more episodes like this and to learn more about the work we are doing, please visit www.legacyofhope.ca.